You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly celebration and analysis of two of film's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, Spectre comes out of the woodwork and tries to take down James Bond in 1963's From Russia With Love. Everybody and welcome to the third episode of the Bondzilla podcast. Or this time. the fourth episode. No, nah, it's the third episode. Yes, it's tripping third. everybody up. You never know what's going to happen uh, on the Bondzilla podcast. No, you don't. Starring Will Tedesco and Nick, and Ford- Nick Robinson. What? Danger, Nick Robinson. Danger. No, I am ecstatic to be talking about uh, our next James Bond film. This is another James Bond episode here on the Bondzilla podcast, where twice a month we'll be going through a Bond movie and a uh, Godzilla movie and analyzing them, critiquing them, and uh, talking about their and, legacy. And you, you always forget the most important part is the belittling of them. Yes, because it sure. would not be a proper Bonzilla podcast. You can look up the Bonzilla podcast in the dictionary.com and there is a healthy amount of belittling these fan favorite franchises. And even if Nick won't, I definitely will. Because have you seen these movies? I have. Not you. Oh. <laughs> Listener at home, whether you're in your car or in a public space or in your office or in your bedroom, say now if you've seen these films. Call 1-800-BONZILLAPODCAST.NET at SoundCloud. Hashtag. Then press three. <laughs> sepia tone. And then press two. Hashtag filter, no filter. Okay. Um, but before we start, just wanted to thank everybody for uh, listening. For those of you who listened to the first two episodes... Uh, it's really exciting. Can't wait to continue. Uh, last episode went out late, and that was my fault. I'll, <laughs> I will fully admit that. For, quick story: I got up and I was like, "Where's the Where's, where's the, the episode? Where's the episode? Where, where's the episode?" I either thought like, "Oh, maybe something went wrong," or you forgot. And then like in the afternoon, Nick contacts me. He's like, "Hey, what happened with the episode?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't upload those." <laughs> And he's like, yes, you do. Like, you uploaded the last one. I was like, what, on SoundCloud? And he's like, yeah. And then like an asshole, but I'm glad he did this. <laughs> it's the most adamant thing I've ever seen him do. He took a screenshot of our freaking chat and sent it to me. And I was like, all right, I guess I did. I guess I did upload it last time. All right, so I uploaded it last. That, I uploaded uh, that miscommunication yeah. has been... Uh, no, it wasn't miscommunication. It was just complete negligence. <laughs> On my part. Well, I do. I do have. Before we start, I do have a slight uh, correction to make for myself from, mm-hmm. the, from the last Bond episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a Freudian slip of Freudian slips, I kept crediting the stunt work to Mr. Bob Armstrong, who is a very famous stunt actor. When you meant to, when you meant to credit it to Bob Penis. Well, it's more because it's Freudian. More so, Bob Simmons. <laughs> oh, Bob okay. Simmons was the man who did all the stunt work on that first. Uh, How's that Freudian? Well, because because Barb Armstrong is a very famous. He's the guy who did all the stunts for the Indiana and Jones movies, and basically he wrote a book about like how he's been the big stuntman in every favorite of your, all your favorite movies. Right. So I just kept saying Bob Armstrong because that was the name in my head. Right. And that's a Freudian slip because I meant to say Bob Simmons, but it oh, slips I out. See. 
That's what a Freudian slip is, except most of the time it's supposed to be about your mother. And But this is not a I thought it was always about penises. No. Okay. Speaking of penises, James Bond. Because he, he can be a dick. I, I guess. <laughs> I that is know. true. <laughs> that is true. So I just want to make that correction. Right, right. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, are you ready to start talking about our next James Bond movie? And there, any other uh, last things to consider before we begin? There was something. I'm doing this little dance that nobody can see. Um, yeah, there was one thing that in watching both movies, Godzilla movies and James Bond movie back to back, that I found an interesting parallel between them. Really? But I can't remember them, so we should just continue on with the episode. I'm sure we'll, it'm sure it'll come back up. At it may some point. it may never, but that's like you know that'll maybe that's our new running gag. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you are ready, we yes. can start getting into the pre-production and the production of what? Well, what movie are we talking it's about? It's our today? second James Bond film. 1963's From Russia with Love, directed by Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> yes, that is a that is a thing. He hasn't said it yet, though. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. It Maybe. doesn't. It kind of sounds like a nice cocktail, though. I'll have a From Russia with Love, please. <laughs> yes, I'm sure at the James Bond bar that exists somewhere. There's it like, is. Well, normally, like something that it revolves around sex is normally like something with orange juice in it. Right. You don't drink, so you don't know that. No, I don't. <laughs> So anyway, um, who is it directed by? Uh, it's a returning Terrence Young uh, from Dr. No. So okay, it's a right. returning director. Okay. Once again, another first time watch for me. Know nothing about it other than that it was a, D- a Blu-ray that Nick put into the PlayStation. Um, so this is a learning experience for me. Yes, and there's well. a lot Sorry, to I talk burped. about with uh, this movie, but uh, we'll get started with the production. So uh, another thing to correct from last time is last time you asked me what uh, number book Dr. No was, and I didn't know off the top of my head. I said it was the fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. So now from now on, I will be chronicling where in the uh, book, chronologically chronologically speaking, the source material comes from. And uh, Dr. No was the sixth book in the Bond franchise uh, in, the, in the book series, and uh, From Russia With Love was actually the fifth book. So in uh, Dr. No, when he talks about his gun jamming and he was in the hospital for a while, that was actually a reference to the events of the From Russia With Love book, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very interesting. Again, they're kind of skipping around the Bond franchise, whereas the Bond books have a very distinct continuity of events that happen. Uh, The Bond franchise, as we'll see, kind of very much jumps from book to book without really uh, thinking of... uh, kind of the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. There'll be interest there'll be some interesting consequences of things that have to be changed because this book was made into a movie before this book. Mm-hmm. So do you uh, think that there was the uh concern uh back then when you're like because oh, that seems like a pretty that seems like a pretty big thing where you're like, all right, well you're gonna adapt this movie first and that references things from this book and now you're gonna be adapting said book. book. So was, do you think there was that fan fervor like we see today about like, you know, like fans of the book being like, How could you? Or is it just like because we've spoken with when you adapt books uh at the end of the day it's very inconsequential (laughs) like who who really cares i don't know and i I think partially it's because from just from what i gather it's like the bond books were very popular Mm -hmm. but i think it's the movies that made james bond of course so i i I don't think like the books had a following as we'll kind of get to is the reason they made russia with love is specifically because one person really liked it Mm -hmm. uh but i but i don't feel like there was that bond book base at that time uh to really kind of get angry about kind of kind of the changes to it i mean and, and to an extent like the bond books are their own adventures there are their own 
you know, they do kind of have these standalone elements to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like it, there, there are some really interesting continuity things with, with the books. And if, if something interesting with that comes up, uh, I definitely will mention it throughout the course of the podcast. Mm-hmm. If you don't, I won't hold it against right, you. Right, because you won't know. No. And you may have just forgotten. No, I might have just it, I don't. It's, it's not me who messes up all the time, Nick. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes or it's both it is of just us. me. Yeah. All right. So uh, they're in the middle of production of Dr. No. Mm-hmm. The movie. And the movie. Yeah. And uh, hoping that it's a success, they uh, try to think about what the next book they want to adapt is. Uh, Time Magazine released a list of JFK's President JFK. He was president at the time. The the actor? The actor. <laughs> He's president? Yes. Uh, John F. Kennedy, his top 10 favorite books. Uh-huh. And in those top 10 favorite books lies From Russia With Love. Right. And that is pretty much the reason that they decided to make From Russia With Love the now, next James Bond book. Because it got a lot of attention put, from being on the president's top 10. Now, real quick, can we put on the Facebook page what the other nine books were? Uh, yes. We, that's all I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of the show. We definitely will. Okay. Uh, I definitely will try to find either the source article or uh, I think it's mentioned on the uh, one of the documentaries on the DVD that I can kind of copy and paste. Gotcha. JFK seems like a good guy, right? Yeah. He, so The Giving Tree so is definitely <laughs> on that. Um, it's on everybody's top 10 if you're a nice guy. It, it might have been 11. Like, it might have been just outside <laughs> the top just, 10. It just made, he was like, it's like one of those, like, ooh, I wanted to put it in. Okay, so that actually is interesting. It's yeah. like, so, 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 uh, repeat that again. So it's like, so it's in the top 10, and that was a, that was a case for it being yeah because the, 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 the book the book i mean he was the president you know and that's that yeah. gave it a lot of attention uh-huh and it was just like yeah why, why not this book has kind of attention you know especially because you know they didn't really know at that time they were in the middle of dr no right and so they were just like oh if if dr no does moderately well we can kind of put this book that has some attention on it and we can kind of build it up from there we can kind of give it some momentum you know start with the dr no momentum right. kind of it's successful oh this very popular book kind of in the consciousness the president likes it blah 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 blah, blah. we made a model money in america ergo we can kind of keep moving did up. jfk like dr no um i i i guess i that information has never hmm. been published it's I just I'm, I'm so this is this is the most interesting thing i hope they cover this in that jackie movie coming out like they just take a break from her morning her husband right she like, finds like his copy of from <laughs> russia with love and she's like i loved my husband <laughs> so i will love this <laughs> i'm sure that movie's great but it's probably nowhere near as good as it could be if that scene's not in it yeah yeah anyway go ahead uh, i mean that's just that's so yeah so they me. just decide to make from russia with love especially now um the doctor no has come out it is moderately successful, as we mentioned in the last podcast. It does uh, make yeah. kind of a lot of money. Uh, and so United Artists is happy. The producers are happy. Saltzman, Broccoli are happy. Uh, Connery is, again, mostly happy because he's Sean Connery. He'll be as happy as he can be. Um, <laughs> and so United Artists agrees to give him a double the budget, $2 million. And as soon as Dr. No is released, they start production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decide from Russia with love. Uh, but they, they decide to make one key change to the book's plot. Now, in the book, the villains are the uh, real-life uh, Russian counterintelligence agency, Smirsh. And it's more of a straight kind of like Russia versus Britain, you know, allies, you know, uh-huh. Cold War type of thing. Right. Uh, Saltzman and Broccoli are hoping for an end to the Cold War, mm-hmm. uh, which wouldn't come for a couple years, but it's a nice thought. 
And they also didn't want to make the movie too political, you know, kind of didn't okay. want to play it. So they decided yeah. to continue off the momentum of the storyline from Dr. No and change the villains from Smirsh to Spectre, mm-hmm. uh, which definitely meant that it couldn't be just a straight adaptation like Dr. No was. There actually had to be kind of a lot of thought put into it because you're changing the villain. You're kind of changing the idea of what the movie is. Mm-hmm. So they start working on a script. They have a couple people. Uh, Richard Maybaum. Uh, he starts to to work on the script, and they immediately just know the characters. They mm-hmm. are going to keep some of the characters from the book, so they're going to start casting it. Obviously, they have uh, Sean Connery returning. Mm-hmm. They have Lois Maxwell as Money Penny, Bernard Lee as M, mm-hmm. all returning to the cast. Uh, but they've got to kind of get together the new cast of characters. So uh, they have... And re- also, going back real quick before you get into that, and it's also interesting because in Dr. No, we got the hints, if I remember correctly, of Spectre. They, they, they mention Spectre yeah, in Dr. Uh, cause, no. Because uh, Dr. No mentions that he's an agent of Spectre. Right. That Spectre yeah. isn't like a main part of the plot, but more of, again, a world-building thing. That right. Spectre is this organization you know, for counterintelligence and extortion and all that. Or right. what have you. Right. And uh, it's kind of like Dr. No is just like an agent of them, even though uh, he's not specifically working for Spectre at the time. He's just like kind of kind of like uh, Iron Man hinting at the Ten Rings in the first Iron Man movie, which definitely paid off. Yeah. <laughs> ben Kingsley is uh, the Dr. Man. No. Dr. No. <laughs> um, OK, uh, but the new cast of characters. Yeah. So we have uh, Red Grant, the uh, henchman who is played by. Do you know who is played by Will? Uh, I don't know, but he looks like Roy Batty from the uh, he looks like Rucker Hauer from the Blade Runner movie. Well, Red Grant is actually Robert Shaw. Robert. Wait, what? Who? Quint. Quint? He's yes. From Jaws? Yes. No. Yeah, absolutely. No. One of his earlier film roles. No. Here, continue talking. I'm going to look uh, that up. Yeah, no. I almost so don't believe you. Red Grant, Robert Shaw in a, in a classic performance, uh, Rosa Klebb, number three, uh, by uh, actually a recently nominated Academy Award nominee, uh, Lati Lanya. Uh, and that was a big get for the cast. And then uh, they were looking for the role of Karen Bay. And uh, director John Ford called Terrence Young and uh, said that, oh, do you have a, a role for one of my friends, Pedro Amandiris? I, I definitely butchered that because I wrote it down really Save, save it to the Godzilla, uh, the Godzilla episodes yeah. for me to butcher names. Holy shit. That is him. Yes. I had no idea. I watched the whole movie and it's, it's Quinn from Jaws. This is Quinn, yes. What? No. I, I definitely was saving that because... I, I knew no you didn't idea. recognize no, him, not and you all. missed because you were looking down when his credit came up in the pre-credits. So I was like, "Oh, Will's gonna have a lot of fun with this one." So yeah, Quinn. Yeah, and no, Quint I, is a, is I, a I didn't. I tried to do as little work for this. Show it's as Pedro Armendariz. Interesting, because I wrote it down very badly. Wow. So that was a uh, yeah. John Ford recommended him for the role, and then finally, of course, the uh, Bond girl of the movie, Tatiana Romanova. Okay, was played by the lovely. Daniela Bianchi, mm-hmm. a uh, beauty pageant runner-up in Europe. Oh, really? Yes. She should have won because she's very attractive. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen who, who she's won. She's actually uh, good friends. In <laughs> Can the... you put that next to the JFK list? Yes. Who won that? Who, who won that? <laughs> yes, I will try to do that. Um, she actually was good friends with the uh, two other uh, beauty pageant contestants who were uh, cast as the two gypsy women. Uh, that fight each other. I have a lot of I have a lot to say about the two about gypsy that, women. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so she was she's Italian beauty pageant runner up, and uh, she basically after you know getting a lot of attention 
an agent contacted her, said she should get in the acting. Uh-huh. She did a couple really small roles, and then she was just contacted to, to audition for the part, and she got it. So now, that's okay. very, very, very simpler than the Honey Rider casting story, but right, interesting all the same. And, and I would actually, um, and I don't want to delve too much into the actual movie itself, but just as a precursor, I would actually say that I think I, I quite enjoyed the ensemble of uh, characters much more this time around. Yes. And, uh, now, was Q in the last in Dr. No? Q was in Dr. No, Because I don't yes. remember him in the movie. Q was like, in Dr. No. He shows up in this movie. I was like, wait, is this the first time we've seen Q? So Q is in Dr. No, but he is played by a different actor. Okay. So basically, if you remember in Dr. No, uh, when when Bond is getting his new gun, right, that right. is uh, Q, but he's credited in uh, this movie... And in Dr. No as his real name, Major Boothroyd. Okay. All right. It's so, also, maybe that didn't register for me because, again, not to get too much in the movie, but gadgets play a much, uh, like, in my mind, a, a much more memorable role in yes. this one than the but last But yes, one, it is so. important to note that this is the first appearance of long-standing Q, yes. Desmond Leland. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very subdued first appearance. Yeah, uh, it's he, still he, none of the, the, the beats, uh, the yeah. Q beats that I've come to know. Uh, his yet. coming out party is in the next film, which is uh, Goldfinger. Right. And uh, we'll talk a lot. We'll he talk. comes out in the next movie. He's like, hello, Bond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've Cal- got gadgets for you. Calm down, Will. <laughs> Calm yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but like we'll, we'll talk a lot more in the next film about the development of the Q and Bond relationship. But mm-hmm. it's nice to see him in his first appearance. He will appear in every Bond film up until his death, except for one, uh, which we'll talk about when we get to that one. Okay. Oh, I should mention brand new story. Yes, should mention too that uh, Sylvia Trench reappears from Doctor No as well. Trench. Yes. Sylvia Trench. Yes. He, she admires his courage. She was intended to appear at the beginning of every Bond movie. Okay. Where does she of, appear in this? Oh, oh, she's the she's, at the beginning. Yeah, the, she's the chick at the beginning. Yeah, she even mentions in the uh, toboggan. Her her love of golf. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, she I didn't a, recognize her. Yeah. In that she one. was a men- She was supposed to be uh, in the beginning of every Bond movie as kind of like Bond's regular girlfriend who was frustrated <laughs> when he always went off to different right. things because you couldn't uh, think of a more like misogynist yes. joke. It's like let's uh, open up every it, Bond movie with him being like, "Yeah, let me just bang you real quick and then yes. get out of here." Um, yes, it definitely is something you know, that hasn't I, aged well. You know what? Uh, that being said, I almost wish they stuck to that. I kind of think I just to see kind of how it kept going and like the excuses like he would always give. Right, right. But uh, yeah, they decided to, to end it with this one. But uh, not again. One of the many bits of continuity between this one and Doctor No, which is very interesting. You know, see. in all fairness, though, I liked her though because she was very much like in his business as yeah. much as. So it wasn't like she was just complete damsel. She was always like, yeah, she, she was, was always she, like, she, give me that phone, Bon. It's like he's busy. Yeah, he's busy having a picnic yeah, with your me. Your case sounds very interesting, James. Yeah, it's <laughs> really great uh, money penny uh, stuff in here too. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll get to that one. Yeah. I've uh, on so. Uh, Ken Adam, who I mentioned, uh, is a big hero of the Bond franchise. The uh, production, mm-hmm. you know, the production designer uh, actually doesn't do this movie uh, as much as I give him credit because uh, Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, saw Doctor No and was so impressed by the sets that he hired him on the spot for Doctor Strangelove. Interesting. Yes, hmm. uh, I guess that kind of makes sense. A lot of like the Doctor No-ish the labs and, and the sets and so uh, his. Uh, Art director from that movie, Sid Kane, takes over for the production design of this mm-hmm. movie, which I think he does a very good job with. Uh, so filming begins. So uh, I'll say a release date is set for October 10th, 1963. Filming begins on April 1st, 1963. So there are on a very tight schedule to make sure everything goes right. 
and not to spoil too much, but production <laughs> is kind of a mess. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, so the screenplay is not finished by the time that they are uh, starting. Okay. Because they're really struggling to change the script around to make sure Spectre is the villain. Mm-hmm. So they're still trying to get the script together, but they have to start filming because they have a release date uh-huh. set for later in the year. Uh, so they start kind of going to doing some stuff on Pinewood, doing the major Blofeld scene, uh, that, which is written on the day before and the day of. Uh, no one's really happy with it. So they kind of just film it kind of as a, let's get this done. We can rewrite it, refilm it later. And uh, it was just not a pleasant shoot. It was not a great beginning right, right. to the thing. So they decide to move on to their Istanbul shoot. And at the last minute, uh, Robert Shaw, as Red Grant, is written into more of the Istanbul scenes. Uh, particularly in uh, a scene where... Uh, there's a Russian agent that's following Bond as part of this machination of plots. And in the original script, Bond kills that agent. Mm-hmm. So this is spoilers for our movie discussion, but it's an important part of the production. Uh, while on set in Istanbul, they make the change to have Red Grant kill that character. Right. And Bond question who actually killed him. And that is what really kind of starts to fix the script. Because now it's like, okay, Red's keeping Bond alive. Why Mm. is Red keeping Bond alive? Because he wants them to steal the lector so that they can have all this stuff. Blah, 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 blah. So now the kind of screenplay is starting to come together uh, after they've been filming for such a while already. This actually answers a lot of of what I thought about the actual final product of the movie. So a lot of this is starting to make, uh, well, sense in a weird way, but we'll get to that. Uh, so production for a little bit is going smoothly, uh-huh. but they run into a big and uh, very sad roadblock. This is going to be a very <laughs> sad part of the podcast. Oh no! I, I, but it has to be mentioned with this film because it actually is. It kind of speaks to a lot about the personalities and the kind of morals of of Cubby and Saltzman and Terrence Young. Uh, so while in Istanbul, uh, Karen Bay Pedro uh, he starts to fall ill. Uh, he doesn't know what's exactly wrong. Uh huh. Uh, and it's to the point where he's like, Karen Young is looking at him and realizing like, dude, like you're not well, like what's going on? So they rush him back to London to get him a checkup and it's uh, discovered that he has uh, inoperable cancer. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. So Pedro and the producers talk to, uh, together and Pedro wants to finish the movie, uh, so that he can leave something, some money behind for his wife and children. So, Saltzman and Broccoli and Young decide to rearrange the entire schedule to get all of Pedro's scenes done first, mm-hmm. which again is costly because they do have to still film. They have to build sets and film things and it is in uh, Istanbul, but they get it done. And so Pedro, even to the last of his days was barely able to stand up and Jesus. barely able to kind of, you know, <laughs> uh it's it's just, it's hard to talk about this but i think it is important uh he even did all the adr for right. his movie uh, i'm sorry before. it's just the pause you took no it's uh you know uh young had to stand in for him on some long shots mm. but uh, he was able to uh to get things done he was proud of his work uh he went back to the united states to mexico to visit family then checked into ucla medical center where he uh shot himself and committed suicide oh, wh- what the hell <laughs> i did <laughs> Did not see that coming. Uh, so Jesus, 
he uh i think he gives a great performance in this movie i think he's one of the key aspects of, yes. of this film coming together and i thought it was, i guess it, <laughs> what i mean i guess that is kind of like i mean i did mention how rodan killed it killed herself oh <laughs> or himself in the last episode so i guess there is some there are some uh, parallels yeah anyway is there anything to bring that little bummer up asshole? uh well uh how much more production do we have to go? We we have a little bit to go, okay, just a little bit. All right, yeah, because we we we've kind of gone off the deep end in some of this stuff. Uh, so Terrence Young wanted to amp up the fight scenes for this film. Uh, there was a quote that he said that he there are no little fight scenes in the Bond franchise. Everything is big. Everything is exaggerated, and so he worked on a lot of the choreography himself. He was a former boxer, uh, so it's particularly the uh, gypsy fight sequence. And the train fight sequence were both very much Terrence Young mm-hmm. directed and choreographed to the point where uh, he was so involved with Young or uh, with Connery and um, Shaw on that train fight scene that he ended up having them just do most of the fights. Very little stunt work was done in that because they were so good and he was so choreographed with it. They're getting to like the climax, the shooting, the climax of the movie, and uh, the, the, you know, in the movie, it's the helicopter chase in the boat sequence. And there's a trilogy of errors that happened with this. Mm-hmm. One is that they're originally supposed to film that sequence while they're in Istanbul. But on the location, the weather's really bad. And uh, in the water, the waves are to a point where the boat really can't move without continually bouncing up and down, mm-hmm. which kind of takes away some of the tension of the scene. So they have to scrap all that. Then they have to go to Scotland to film it, which is fine. They film the helicopter sequence, in which case, at one point, the helicopter almost decapitates Sean Connery. It gets way too close to him and basically like Connery ducks at the last moment. Nice. Uh, and then the big story, one of the most infamous stories from this production, uh, they were going to do the boat sequence and uh, they were, Terrence Young, the art director and the camera guy went into a helicopter to basically scout the shoot. Basically like, we're going to shoot here, but where do we want to like, you know, do some aerial shots, blah, blah, blah. They go up in the air the helicopter immediately crashes into the water, <laughs> falls 40 to 50 feet deep. So where the other crew is diving into the ocean to save them. Okay. And they come to a scene of Terrence Young, the director of this film, uh-huh. kicking in the plexiglass window uh-huh. because they can't escape through the door that's open because the camera is stuck in the door. Mm-hmm. So they're trapped inside this air bubble, losing air by the second. And finally, they're able to kick, you know, Terrence Young is able to kick out. They're able to rescue him. Terrence Young is bleeding and has an injury to his arm. He puts on a sling, and within 35 minutes, they start shooting the scene. And then Terrence Young shot himself. <laughs> that is... No, but it really is a testament to why people... I said in the last one that Terrence Young is yeah, the real-life James Bond. Yeah, kinda, people. yeah, it sounds that way. Just, and uh, um, he was just, you know, right. a complete and utter badass in this situation. He's just like... I crashed this helicopter. I almost died today. My arm's in a sling. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's actually a quadrilogy of errors mm-hmm. because then they're going to do the big explosion scene. Right. There's a big explosion scene in the movie. And because it's a big scene and because of the budget, they can only do one take. Of course. So they, they the boats come by. That comes full circle again because that happens in Spectre. That yeah. came out what, two year, one or two years ago. Yeah. The most recent Bond movie had another like big explosion that they could only do in one take. Right. So yeah. what happened was they the boats come by, the explosions go off, and then the people who are 
sending off the explosions realized that it was just a rehearsal and nobody was filming. <laughs> so they're like, well, we the have lens to. cap was on. <laughs> so they, they have to be like, well, we have to shoot this again tomorrow, but you have to get all this, the material from London mm-hmm. to Scotland within a day. And by some miracle, they were able to do it and they got the thing off the next day. Uh, and then they were going to finish the, the, the Scotland shoot on July 17th. And they had a 6 a.m. call for uh, Bond and Tatiana, you know, mm-hmm, Connery mm-hmm. and them. Uh, at 5 a.m. they're driving. Daniela's driver falls asleep, tips over the car. <laughs> and then shoots himself. And then <laughs> nearly crashes. I'm never going to live this down. I'm never going to. The, the casual shoots himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to Connery actually saves their lives. Uh-huh. Like jumps out of the car behind them, saves their lives. But... Uh, Danielle's face is swollen. They have to delay her production for two weeks. Jesus Christ. So now uh, it's the middle of July. They're over budget, over schedule, three months to release, and they haven't filmed key scenes in the movie. <laughs> and then we get oh, to no. the hero uh-huh. of From Russia With Love, the editor, uh-huh. Peter R. Hunt. Terrence Young comes to him and says, we'll start editing what you got. Peter Hunt starts editing the film, rearranges the opening to make it a little bit more exciting. Puts the uh, the the sneaking Bond sequence pre credits, which establishes that Bond tradition. Mm-hmm. Puts the chess scene and the uh, initial Blofeld scene earlier to give the audience a little more insight into what's happening because they were supposed to come later in the movie. Um, comes Young with the first kind of cut of what they have. Young sees what they still need to reshoot. Hunt comes with ideas of how we can fix this scene. We can put this and this rear project this to reshoot the Blofeld scene. And suddenly the movie's moving, 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 moving. It inspires everybody. Young is inspired by kind of the tenacity of the editing. Uh, and so they're able to finish the film. The shooting, the final shot is wrapped up on August 23rd, which is pretty much a month and seven days before the film releases. Nice. See, and it just goes to show you guys that the editor is one of the unsung heroes of the of the product of, of a production. Don't take your editors for granted. They're like uh they're like the uh they're kind of like the the Ant-Man of like the of the production, right? Because they're very useful. And despite all those <laughs> I guess I don't know. <laughs> despite all the issues and despite, you know, all the everything that happened to uh, them who, sh- who shot themselves this time. <laughs> uh the film does release on time yeah. for its uh UK premiere okay. on o- October 10th. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much the uh, ramshackled, rowdy production of From Russia with Love. Right. There's a, there is a lot going on there, and uh, it definitely shows uh, at some point they're uh, trying to get a move, one movie out a year. It was already catching up to them mm-hmm. from like the first time they tried it. And they, they do end up succeeding in like doing another film and doing Goldfinger uh for the next year too, mm-hmm. I think, and I think it's closely after that that they they're like, we kind of have to take a little more time between movies, uh, yeah, because they went because they went right into it. Yeah, they yeah. they they basically yeah, because I mean, rush from from rush or uh, Doctor No release and to start shooting in April to do the casting and like get the at least the initial script of the parts and kind of get everybody back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's and it's the same thing with like, well, I mean, Goldfinger has less of an exciting production as it were, uh, but. <laughs> Nobody shot themselves. Nobody shot themselves. <laughs> Nobody got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh man. Well, it's you die for your art, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, Pedro's a legendary Hispanic actor, dude. And 
And uh, it's just sad that he died. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is getting off to the best start. Uh, I don't know what else you want me to say about it. But, I mean, Goldfinger kind of is the same way. And I think it's around Thunderbolt in the next couple films that they're like, we kind of have to slow down. Partially because, like, Connery's becoming a bigger star. Mm -hmm. You know, directors have to change. So, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but yeah, no, Russia with love as a very f- fascinating, uh, it is Russian nice. history. It is nice to hear that they kind of went for the, yes, we're going to kind of like speed through the sequel, but they're going to, but they went in for like, but let's put more energy into it. Yeah. it. It's refreshing because that was back in the time where, well, you know, before, you know, real franchise movie making, it was a lot of like, let's do the sequel, but not put as much money into well, it. Cause, cause, like, there was a lot of, there was a big this trend. This really was Saltzman's and Broccoli's baby. Because right, it's yeah. like from from the moment from that first film, especially for Broccoli, yeah. they wanted to make this like a very big franchise. Mm-hmm. They wanted, they saw that these books were the potential had potential of, it, yeah. of keep making movies. As I said, they were just going to keep making movies and it does seem like they'll keep making movies till the end of time. That was the intention with the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. One other note, um, this is the, uh, uh, Ian Fleming, uh, died, this was the last, uh, Bond, (laughs) I was gonna plan that out to say that so much better. Did he shoot himself He did not, he died This is all worse because you you did start out with JFK, and he fucking died too. (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess that's true. This franchise is cursed. I mean, I was gonna save this for the aftermath, but this is, uh, (laughs) Kennedy saw this on November 20th. No! And then he was assassinated a couple days later in Dallas. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Can can we talk about the movie now? (laughs) Yes. I was going to say that uh, Ian Fleming enjoyed the film. He thought this was the film that convinced him that Connery was the perfect Bond. Uh, which makes it interesting going the Bond franchise forward because now there will be no more books to adapt. Uh, so I don't have anybody else who dies. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to take that break, so we can start talking about the uh, the movie in which characters die. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Thank you. But I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. Uh, we are back alive and healthy, unlike the people who worked on this on this movie. But it well, is time. I mean, JFK didn't work on the movie, <laughs> but he inspired the movie, kind I, of. Yes. So yeah. So yeah. but we're but we're very much we're we're here to talk about the second James Bond movie from Russia with Love. And the question on the table is that I present on the table is: Was all this hard work and sacrifice worth the final? product the art put forth by the filmmakers the cast and the crew all these trials and tribulations and near and the deaths ans- and near deaths and the answer is kinda <laughs> i mean I, I guess it came together it came together very well in my opinion <laughs> I, I think I, it i think it came together um so like well okay so what, what do we want to do we want to because i don't know you are very much looking forward to talking about oh, I have a lot. Th- this I have, movie. I very much enjoy this motion okay. picture. Okay. Um, I again like start with. I like starting with the beginning. We can start with the beginning a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, I want to. I want to just give my. You want to give your, your overall Im- impressions of the movie. Yeah. I think there is so much about this movie that blows the. And this actually actually happens in the movie. This blows this the Doctor No out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think there is. 
as a bond from a bond fan standpoint i think there's a lot more satisfying bondish things that i yeah that i know about bond. this is where the bond formula really comes together like mm-hmm. this is what you know you start kind of seeing the bond movie because dr no is again it's a first it's a first in a franchise right it's setting up not necessarily a bond's origin but it's like it's setting up the world in the style and mm-hmm. kind of the it, type it, of movie it is. Whereas From Russia With Love is the solidification of what they want the Bond franchise yeah. to be. And like going forward, you'll see you know more similarities with From Russia With Love in the next couple films mm-hmm. and even into the more films than you will see with Dr. No. And and while I may have some little nitpicks about it, I think, and, and very much in the vein of Empire Strikes Back, not from the quality standpoint, but from the standpoint of it does look like this is a much better representation of what they want to do with Bond right. with the bigger budget. Um, it's a better example of what's good about Bond, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many ways it was more of a it was more of a fun watch. Yeah. Um I'll agree. And and that that's kind of so what what's the overall movie about? What what's from Russia with love about? So uh Spectre is looking to a, a increase their power and B get revenge on uh, James Bond and the British Empire for uh, taking out their agent Doctor No. Uh, in the previous film, Doctor No, so they conspire a uh, game of cat and mouse, uh, where they uh, try to convince the uh, James Bond that a uh, lector coding device, a decoder device, excuse mm-hmm. me, uh, is available through the, uh, the uh, defection of a ro- uh, Russian agent, Tatiana Romanova, and uh, so Bond goes to Istanbul uh, and tries to get the lector, but also kind of figure out what the truth behind everything mm-hmm. is. Uh, whereas the Russians, the Britons, and Spectre right, are all right. on the game against each other. Now, it, and it's so my first comment about the movie, and at yeah. one point I did mention this in the movie, that mm-hmm. in, in also classic Bond fashion, is that I have no idea what's going on. But in also classic Bond fa- fashion, like you're you're talking about, like what was it, Ledger, Lecter, Le- Lecter, is it, yeah. like like who knows, who really cares because. I, like a lot of the times I find out in Bond movies that it really is one of those things where the mechanic, not the mechanics, but like the the intricacies, the true intricacies of the plot and the actual real world ramifications are almost inconsequential. <laughs> like it's like because it's I mean, those come into play, but it's really just more you attach yourself to the more broad strokes. You're, of you're what's kind of there going for on. the ride. Is right. What you're saying. So it's like I mean, so to me, w- the biggest thing I could say about the like. I mean, like the biggest thing I loved about this movie was that it really captured the sprawling, like uh, international spy yes, aspect of 100%. it. Hundred like, percent. There, there are just awesome uh, set pieces. Uh, they go to really cool locations. They, they, at one point, they go to like the the catacombs under under like the yes, like, which was under, actually yes, those were uh, Istanbul. Yeah, yeah, in Istanbul, and, uh, and which I, are, I just thought again, it was which great. is really cool because you can think like, oh, you can kind of convince yourself it's a set or whatever, that, but that's the actual location. Mm-hmm. Those waterways and canals actually exist under Istanbul, and right. they got amazing access to that city. Mm-hmm. And they shoot some of them. You're right; it's shooting some amazing places. No, it, and, it, and, and it really pays show off. the beauty of that kind of, you know that that kind of Arabic architecture and all that sort of and stuff. And even like the opening, the opening of this movie in which we see a, 
uh, Rucker Howard Quint, <laughs> like a uh, replicant Quint, uh, <laughs> uh, um, do a, I guess what turns out to be a training exercise on yeah. how to defeat on, Bond on Specter Island. On, uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, at one point they come here, and then I'm expecting like you know they there's like a Specter agent training, and then John Hammond comes out, and he's like, "Welcome." To Specter Island, well, and was, then they go, and then gonna... they look off in the distance. There's a training ground. Da, 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 da. Well, my thing is like, <laughs> here's another connection between the Bond and Godzilla franchises. Mm-hmm. We have Specter Island, and you have Monster Island. A- exactly. Oh, there's a crossover right there. Right, and then oh, and then Harrison Ford is is like controls it. Right. Yes. Yeah. My one of my one another running gag is we're getting Harrison Ford into every Bond and Godzilla movie. By the end of this, by the end of our podcast, we're going to have the full script for the Harrison Ford. <laughs> Harrison Bond. Ford owns Monster Specter Island. Yes. Uh, but but so there's a training exercise and it just opens up with this really cool like reveal of the house because you you don't know what it is at first and it turns out to be a training exercise. Yeah. And then the lights come on and there's all these Specter agents in front of a house and it looks really cool. Well, followed up with a very very strange uh like there's two so this another best thing about this movie is that there's so many gadgets yeah like i just wrote down on my on my notes gadgets gadgets because gadgets, i love my gadgets, gadgets. and uh, uh replicant quint takes out uh, a garrett out of his watch mm-hmm. to choke a uh, bond and you're like oh no he choked bond but then it turns out if it's followed up by the weirdest gadget in the movie is that a uh, mission impossible style face like he right. rips off the Bond face off of another guy, and right? Then, that it's like that. That was a training exercise we right. were talking about, yeah. And it and it's so weird because it's like in that time where it's like that guy clearly wasn't wearing a mask. That guy was just clearly James Bond, right? <laughs> well, that was Saltzman's idea because they wanted you to think that uh, you know, oh, James Bond might have been killed, which mm-hmm. is not going to happen. But that was kind of no. the, the fun of it. Oh, and then it follows up with a proper James Bond opening segment, right? Where it's the uh, it's credits. Over and and by really proper because it's just what's the best way to demonstrate Bond than just women writhing <laughs> with with the credits projected on them? Yeah, very. Uh, it's a very cool very visual though in, in many ways, especially with kind of the movement between like the arms and stuff like that. You know what? I'll give them credit that they went for it, and uh, <laughs> it's an it's an artistic and choice. It, it, it's a fully developed original score. Uh, it's one of those other classic Bond like which you'll see uh, might pop up once again a couple times in the in the franchise's history, but it comes up a lot in like the montages and stuff that they they kind of start with that. Uh, and then the uh, at the same official, time the uh, the uh, from Rush with Love Suite. Yeah. Do do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, which you called like a Danny Elfman yeah, yeah, score. Yeah, they they play it on the in the in the in the train. They're like traveling on a train while uh, what's that, the Bond girl's name? Uh, Tatiana. Tatiana. She's like trying on her like weird lingerie or whatever, and then it's like, and it just sounds like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> like it's like I was expecting like Bond to be in the corner just making a nice sculpture or something. But again, even all that music, it doesn't stop him from using the goddamn theme. <laughs> Hey, I I will defend that scene. At one point, Bond just walks into a uh, into his hotel room yeah. and he's checking it for bugs. And you know, want to know how long the theme the the scene goes? Go on iTunes and just look up the Bond theme song, and that's how long the scene is. They just let it play as he's casually looking behind like pictures and plants, and it's just like. I like because I like that for again. for one thing I like it's a parallel to the hotel investigation scene in Doctor No, yeah, or something similar. 
Uh, but uh, I just like that he's I, I I don't know. It's something I've always liked that theme being played during like actual like spies, like just kind of like the, the smaller spy stuff, like him going around the room. Right. I I I I am a personal fan of that use in that in, scene. Uh, you know what? In theory, I like it. But like normally when you do something like that, you're like, oh, maybe we're going to do like kind of like Sam Raimi, Edgar Wright cuts of like him doing it. No, it's just him walking around a room. <laughs> it's just it, it, not a fan. But actually, I kind of am a fan because I want to continue making fun of it. Um, speaking of other Bond traditions, he throws his hat on a rack again. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it for you when you said that he, I mean, you made that a point of it. But yes, that may it, have been the for, biggest, la- one of the biggest laughs yeah, in the movie for, that he for, walks in and just does a... Weird, throw the hat on the rack that's for, for, three feet away from him. For the uh, for the Connery films, uh, that we'll see that again. Yeah, uh, oh, it's kind of God. it's a trademark of Love at it. least a Connery Bond. I did say though that I wish Bond would go back to wearing a hat because oh, Connery like, Connery looks good in that he hat. Does. Like he it, really does look good in that hat. It adds a it adds a level of sophistication to the character that mm-hmm. I that I never thought. Um, so yeah, I have here. Um, oh. The other biggest positive I had about this movie, and it was it was so interesting that you were saying that because in a way, this does have the feel of a well-intentioned script that was kind of it, it, it does kind of peter out a little bit for me, and not in a bad way. It's just kind of like very oddly like oh and now it's over kind of way. But at the same time, you said that one of the biggest things they had to do to rewrite the script was that they had to get Spectre in it mm-hmm. at some point. I actually think one of the best parts about uh, From Russia With Love is how they frame Spectre into the story. Yes, and I, I actually think I, I think it's actually the, the most effective thing where it's like, because as um, we've talked about this before, as like a Star Wars fan, one of my favorite, weird favorite elements of it is like the weird inner workings of the Empire and like the office politics of it. And I kind of got that feel here too, mm-hmm. where they effectively, even though despite... When number one, I guess that they they call him in, in yes. the in the in this movie. Even though when he's talking, they always cut to the cat, and it just makes me think that yeah. oh, the cat is talking. Uh, like you can cut other places, but the whole like oh, number two, number three, and then there's kind of like infighting going on there, but they're all scared of number one, and just the way they frame that. Um, Kind of just the way they frame the villainy as a true organization. Yes, I think really works and, and almost establishes them as a true threat. And, and 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 I think it also has to do too with kind of the characters that they do have, Inspector, mm-hmm. uh, like Rosa Klebb, number three. Uh, I think is her her performance, like her look, is so kind of iconic Bond villain, mm-hmm. uh, a villainess in this case. And I think that like. You know her that one scene when she's giving you know Tatiana her uh, assignment and mm-hmm. she's just like, you know, pretending to still be with the Russians and, right. and kind of being that you know villainous. Right. I think but then also like, counterpointing that with like, oh, she's clearly like low on the food chain, right? Lower, yes. on the food chain, and like, and it, that you know, number one in this movie, whom I think we all know who number one is, right? Yeah. Uh, but number one, it's me. <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> Oh no! It's you know it's Doctor Evil's number one. <laughs> um, you, you can see now where some of the origins of the Austin Powers parodies yeah, where yeah. they come from, which will be interesting. Uh, but no, but number one, like you know, at the end when they when they've like, oh, we failed, and we have we the Russians. We've told the Russians we have the Lecter. I don't want to 
fail them. Right, right. And then basically that whole scene. And you have, what's it, is it number two, the guy who plays chess? Number five. Number five. And it's like, and he just has like the best, like just quite over the top nature to his look. Which I, and, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, there's, there's a lot of really, like, I, I think it's really cool that they show him with the chess scene. Which is really cool because it recreates like one of the most famous chess masters of all time, mm. and with him winning, and then it kind of goes into like, oh, it, Spectre hires intellectually. They're they're smart people, right? You know, right. and it's like that they they can play this cat and mouse game when they they can kind of think, and it's like the thing is like, as they mentioned, it's like their plan is pretty good, except it's Bond, and and Bond yeah, is like and, involved and like he's know, smarter than they think, and he's more aware that they think. I agree, and and but to play a little bit of a devil's advocate to what I just said but because I do ultimately think it's effective I do feel like there is a little bit of a missed opportunity with like really hitting home with like just a good singular uh, villain mm-hmm. uh, because uh, number three yeah. uh, is essentially kind of like the active villain in it but because of the way the movie is, she's not in the movie a lot, and right, she kind of yeah. comes in in this weird kind, which is kind of cool because she kind of has to get down into the into the dirt and fight a little bit as yeah, well, especially at the end. Uh, but I feel like if there was a little bit more of that villain presence, then because it's easy to say now because there's a series of these movies that you can watch. Uh-huh. But if if this was a movie that came out, like while I do think Spectre is cool there's a little bit of like oh but it would be cool to see that like the individual branches and the members have a little bit more autonomy yeah and a little bit more weight to them yeah yeah uh but we can't we, we should finish feeling all the we should finish mentioning all the villainous characters and uh i am a huge fan of our first real bond henchman donald red grant right played as you say by replicant replicant quint, quint. Yeah. yeah yeah uh, I, I think, think he's good. I think he. Yeah. I think like the thing because I think what makes him effective is his silence and kind of the stoic nature of him for the beginning part of the movie. As they kind of, as kind of the yes, as they kind of mention uh, in one of the commentaries, kind of the guardian angel character of just like kind of keeping Bond alive and making sure that their plan is coming into effect, which makes his uh, pretending to be the the uh, agent Nash, and then his reveal to Bond. Uh, of who he really is uh, in the train in the or- and on the Orient Express, um, I think all the more effective, and I, I really enjoy his performance, and I I'm a huge fan of that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think like just because like is I think it's like him with the blonde hair and that look, and kind of the, the old man, old man, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. I think is uh, I think it makes him very like. I'm not saying he's the best henchman. Of all time, because mm-hmm. we definitely are going to come across some really classic henchmen, but he's a good prototype, and I think he holds his own with the best of the Bond henchmen, and I think that he is kind of up there for me. Yeah, and I think um, to talk off that point of when he they're saying like, "Oh, old man," um, that I think what saved that character for me is that you know when he first shows up, like they introduce him by showing that like, oh, they. You know, he's uh, practicing killing Bond and number three, like, stabs him with, like, a corkscrew or something to be like, oh, or doesn't, doesn't she, like, stab it's like him? Brass, no, it's like brass knuckles. Oh, brass knuckles. I yeah, thought she yeah, stabbed no. him. Yeah, no, it's, he has some brass knuckles. I kind of rather be just he stabbed. Hey, you can, you can believe that yeah. if you want. We'll just CGI it in. Just yeah, like, okay. a, but, um, I, but you, so you kind of almost get the image of, like, all right, this is just going to be a brute assassin character. And for a lot of the movie, it's kind of like, uh, painting that image, but then you see that he's on the train and he uh, 
uh, corners bond and they have kind of like not like a true matching of wits, but like they, there's a you know they have a dialogue scene between them, and I think that's what ultimately saved that, that character scene, for me. That dialogue scene and the sequent fight, yeah, is not only one of my favorite Bond scenes ever. Yeah, it's it's really would probably be in my one of my favorite film mm-hmm. scenes ever. I just think the tension in that scene. Because one of the other gadgets in the movie is he has his briefcase, which can uh, yeah. know, basically give him a little smoke screen yeah. if, if necessary. And you, you noticed I was really into that. Because yeah. as I said, I'm really into the gadgets in this. Yeah. But then he gave him the, if you open up the suitcase normally, it just explodes in your face. Right. And at one point, Bond's like, well, you can just look into the, the suitcase. And then he's like, you open the suitcase. And I was like, nah, you almost got him. I, I just like, cause it's like, it's one of those things like, again, the tension of that scene is like, you know, Bond is going to get away. And yeah. I know people are like, oh, it's so predictable. Bond's going to get away. But, the, but the, I love the tension that's of that great. scene. But no, the tension of this scene is like, you know, Bond's going to get away, mm-hmm. but how is he going to do it? And then that's the perfect little twist. It's like, oh, he's going to have the suitcase. He's going to get the gold, you know, the, the gold sovereigns in there, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh no, you open it. It's like, oh no, he's playing the suitcase, but he has the other suitcase for other person. And then like that fight. That fight is so mm-hmm. raw, so visceral. Yeah, yeah. With the punching of the window, the train tracks like coming through, mm-hmm. the light going out, and then choking each other. The, the the watch coming back in. It's it's such a perfect fight scene, and and, and such a perfect like Bond man on man fight. Once again, and because again, my uh, experience with Bond is more modern Bond, but it kind of like it is interesting going back and seeing like the influence of the newer Bonds that they're taking on the older Bonds. Like uh, that remind me a lot of the scene in um in Skyfall. Uh, remember when they're in the the building and it's yeah. all like dark because the, intentionally the lights go out right in the uh, in the in the in the car. Um, so I would have to agree with you. It's really cool. Uh, I, I do want to talk about fights real quick. Oh, uh, yes. because uh, I have two words for you. Gypsy fight. <laughs> this movie, um, in classic Bond sense, uh, and again, I I don't want to come off as offensive. I'm not sure this may be, this may be offensive, but this movie seems to be too happy to uh, delve into gypsy culture. <laughs> I was gonna look it up and see if this has any bearing in actual gypsy culture, <laughs> but like I, go, I was just too lazy to do so. They go to the they go to the camp, and then immediately they're like, "Oh, whoa! Looks like we came on the wrong night. A man was about to get married, and somebody another woman took umbrage with it, and now they're going to have to fight each other." Yeah, <laughs> and then Bond's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> It's like I, I, uh, I guess. And there's a full on like, let them fight. Another crossover with Godzilla. Yeah. Where it's just like they're gonna watch two gypsies fighting each yeah. other. I will say though, it's like <laughs> it is. What? It is a little ridiculous. It's to me, it's one of the charms of the movie. It's just kind oh, of it's like always like the, a the absurdity charming. of yeah, it. Yeah. But it does lead to another like kind of incredible absurd fight scene because basically like the Russians in this whole thing again, yeah. Spectre playing everything. The Russians attack. The camp oh, the kill. raid on the camp is great. Yeah, the, the raid on the camp. <laughs> Even but, though, like I said, it has a video game quality to it where he like saves a guy that's like really far away and the guy's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, but my favorite thing about that fight and it's always been my favorite thing about that fight yeah, is yeah. the way that Bond is just casually walking around, just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. No, because it's so, again, everybody, it's so encapsulate perfectly that Bond is like, everybody's in chaos and like, it's like a brawl and Bond's like, Bond's the one. Put your headphones on. <laughs> that one, I, I was making like wild, like yeah. fight fist hey, noises. Flying off your I head. need to get like proper headphones. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but no, it's Bond. Like Bond is the one that keeps his kind of cool right. and like yeah, is yeah, the yeah. one that's basically like you know is aware of his surroundings, be able to save people, and like the bewilderment, but also like the the coolness on his face there. 
is is perfect. And again, it's like so much of the defining elements of Bond that the seeds were planted in Doctor No, but here it starts to blossom. And you know what? There was a brief moment in here that I actually thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, at one point the fight's all over, and then they're like, and um, one of the I think like uh, I hate to say this, but I guess the Gypsy leader <laughs> comes up to them. I don't know what else to say. So he comes up and he's like, oh, like you know, so they says thanks for fighting and everything, and then he's like, oh, can we do you any favors? And Bond is like, he's like uh he's like don't make those two women fight each other and then you know they kind of chastise him it's like oh you're too soft bond and then it's like oh a nice little chivalrous moment for bond so it makes complete sense that in the next scene he's offered two women and bond's like and bond's very happy about that and i was like well there goes yeah i don't i don't really have anything to say about that like it's so much of the the time and the and the, the no, bond no, it's like agree, it's like you can't I, I mean you can't really say it's like it is what it is well bond but there's another in and out of being a chivalrous yeah. nice dude to just an asshole like he just he smacks his woman um and you like, know you could argue that she was asking for it but I don't, that, that's you know whatever right. i mean like you, the, <laughs> your argument could be that like oh it's like he, she is a spy in the yeah, sense and like yeah. he, he does think he's playing her and whatever he kidnaps the dude for a while and doesn't get rid of him until he kicks him off the boat with a with a line with a line and when he's like well i guess it's not your day is it and then kicks him off the one thing I do want to mention, though, another what great Bond moment from from the Gypsy sequence is when he's just like when like the fight's <laughs> is over. That we just we're calling it now. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is yeah, it it's is, the Gypsy true. sequence. Uh-huh. As much as you don't want to, you don't no, want to say. No, no, no. You're, you're is right. when like he's basically post fight. It's like he just takes the the bottle from Karen Bay. It's like I'll I'll take that from you and starts drinking it from the bottle. Yeah, which again is a nice little Bond moment. Uh, I do want to mention I I I've always also liked the relationship between uh, Bond and Karen Bay in this movie. I really do feel like they're kind of bromance with each other, mm-hmm. like especially. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, their their that relationship awesome. and, yeah. and 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 Pedro brings a lot to that role, uh, a, a lot of warmth to that role. And it's unfortunate um, that well, he died. I, well, it, it is unfortunate he died, but it's like it's kind of like. It's very similar to the last one where they kind of establish like Bond has a friend and then they just kind of die. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of, but that, you know, that's, that's going to be what it is. I do want to talk about the Bond girl. Yes. Because as another running gag is me talking about the Bond girl and then Mm -hmm. belittling her, um, is that this, uh, what, again, remind me of her name? Tatiana. Beautiful. Just an absolutely just gorgeous human being. Like she, she's just, she's so, she's so pretty. And you know what? To be honest, I don't have that much to chastise her about. Yeah. I actually think she's a bit above the a bit above um, our our last Bond girl in terms of I and again, but it, this is just the way the movie is. I think they start out with something really interesting where you know she's getting the mission mm-hmm. from from number three about like oh you need to infiltrate this uh, person, give, give him false information, and, and then like eventually uh, betrays them. Um, it does unfortunately as the movie goes on kind of delves into like I just fell in love with you Bond and now I don't know what to do and then uh, and th- that's kind of where I was yeah. like uh, but it's, again you know because there's uh, a, there's uh, the uh, element of like there is that element at some point where it's like well is she still on the mission or like what like you know, no yeah there's, exactly there's kind of there's the, a kind the, of point where it's like oh she's still on the mission or is she actually falling for Bond I think there's that kind of play well I think that's kind of like my biggest thing about the movie is because. Uh, like the actual, like I said, the machinations of what's going on isn't the most exciting and it doesn't, uh, just because of what it is, it doesn't lead into the most exciting of third acts. Like it's a cool third act, but it's not like a big, it's not like a doctor. No, like we're going to stop the missile, but because there's that, that's not as interesting. And then there's other things like it kind of loses, like now she's just kind of like 
uh, has to be a part of the plot for the rest of the movie. So yeah. it's kind of like another mouth to feed almost. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and th- that's kind of how I felt about her. Yeah. Uh, but she does, she does bring us some really great moments uh, throughout the t- film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, the, the very famous uh, hotel room scene where she sneaks into his hotel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interestingly enough, that is the scene that they use when auditioning new Bond girls and new Bonds. That is one. That is one of the main scenes that they use. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's actually, we'll get to like the almost Bonds when we have to talk about Bond recasting. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of interesting footage of like those almost Bonds doing that scene. Uh, also, that scene uh, as part of the uh, film uh, film issues that they had the filming. Uh, that scene almost got them in a lot of trouble with the the British uh, rating board. Because of uh, the concept of voyeurism, which is filming, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is why in the film that for is, the f- to explain the scene, they're they're laying in bed with each other about to to do the nasty, yeah. and uh, it pans out and it shows like kind of like a specter agent, the specter agents behind like um like um glass that they can see through, but you can't see. I, I don't know what the name of that yeah. is, but they can see through the wall and they're filming it as it happens. Right, and, and it is a little creepy. A little yeah, creepy. but but basically like that was a big no no of of showing that on film. So mm-hmm. that's why it's like such a little. Uh, like they they literally showed for a split yeah. second because like that was like that's as much as you can show before we won't let you. Guys but again, I I do movie. think to kind of get back to what I was saying is like I do think that's more of like again my comment on what the stakes of the movie are on later because at one point they're like we have these tapes and it's just kind of like really mentioned real quick and they yeah. kind of later on treat it as like it is well, we can't, nobody can see is that because it is a bigger part of the book but i also think that really works is kind of like yeah. their big thing to take down bond uh, i do want to mention yeah, I, I feel like just to be honest i feel like that part wasn't as i, I do weighty i do love me, that but. bond tries to get right into like they're in the bed and they're kissing each other it's like oh where's the lector <laughs> and, and he's like and he, like they're kissing each other he goes back he's like you know if you did give me the plans uh we could figure out how to get inside uh, and then the other classic moment from Tatiana is when he's doing the interview. Yes, I was, was going to mention yes, that. Yes, so he's yeah. doing the interview. They're on a boat. He has like a camera that's like transmitting to MI6, MI6 headquarters. Yeah. And she just keeps interrupting with like, you know. It's like, would you make love to me the, all night, uh, Bob? It's like, <laughs> oh, the, the inside of the lector has uh, three decoders. Dames, will you make love to me all the time in England? And it's like, it's a nice little scene of comedy too because again, what I like about it, it is, is that it, it shows, it shows, <laughs> it shows Bond is super serious about his work mm-hmm. because he's like, sure, well, tell me more about yeah, the decoder. Well, yeah, he kind of just like, he's like, later, woman. <laughs> Um, um, we do have to move on into yeah. the aftermath, but uh, yeah, two two quick things from you and a quick thing. Yeah, from me. two quick things from me is like I did think actually this is the first time I've ever seen the Bond and Money Penny kind of banter back and forth. Actually, like I found that like charming. Well, because that that's was my my thing I was going to mention yeah. is that the the he, this really shows the like chemistry between Sean Connery and Lois Maxwell, mm-hmm. especially in that first sequence. Like that is the iconic and basically like the trademark of their flirtation. Right. Yeah. And I also like as much as it can be like, you know, again, the money penny character is say what you will, but her, her role in that scene where they're listening to everything, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just fun. Um, and of course I have to t- pick out what, one of my favorite lines, your in. bond line of the movie. And while I did not have one that struck me as much as the, it's that was uh, those are machine guns, not a dragon. I did have, there's a moment where there is a, they have to kill a dude, uh, 
in a, who's a, trying to escape a building, and the window is in the mouth of a mural of a woman. Actually, uh, it's a billboard. Uh, here's this little trivia for you, Will. Uh-huh. Uh, the billboard is for the one of the few uh, non-Bond films that Eon Productions made oh, called really? Call Me Buona. Oh, interesting. So anyway, so the guy's like escaping through the billboard out of the woman's mouth, and then they shoot the guy, and then Bond's line is, you may correct me if I get it wrong, mm-hmm. She should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> that, that is the line. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And that's I'll, our Bond line of the movie. All right. Um, all right. Uh, we got to start wrapping this up soon. What do you have about the aftermath besides JFK is dead? <laughs> JFK is dead. And yeah. uh, yes, this was the last movie he saw uh, before he tragically got assassinated. Yeah. Um, no, but the, the movie was a huge success at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um it made and it's for initial run about thirteen million dollars, which is equivalent of a hundred million today. Uh, more importantly, though, uh, by it was released in October uh, of nineteen sixty-three. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, it was the highest-grossing film in British box office history, uh, and it was uh, some. Uh, there was a uh, one newspaper that compared it to. Another phenomenon that was going on at the time: Beatlemania. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were going crazy over the film. Uh, in terms of the public, uh, they saw it many times. This is the movie, in terms of the public eye, that made James Bond a star and made Sean Connery a star and right, made the yeah. franchise viable. This was the big deal. Which makes a lot of sense because, like I said, this is more James Bondy in the way that I know him. Yes. Um, and it, and I think just in many ways, like it's it's despite any nitpicks and maybe little criticisms I have, I mean I just think it's a overall just kind of like more exciting or more accessible more accessible Bond movie. I think. Um, actually, also this uh, this film won a BAFTA. Oh, really? For best cinematography. Uh, I agree with that. I do because I I think that was one of the biggest strengths. Like. I just think like the whole sprawling nature. I mean, there's the whole uh, bit in the cathedral yeah. that's great. I mean, that's, that's yes. awesome. Yes, and then uh, also it uh, got its first Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song mm-hmm. uh, from Rush With Love, which is not played over the opening credits, but played during the end credits, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, – we'll have the, the main Bond tradition appear mm-hmm. in the next film. Uh, reviews uh, were mostly better than Dr. No, mm-hmm. but there was still some uh, – Still some detractors or still some people that, uh, you know, had some issues with it. Uh, the New York Times, they wrote, don't miss it. This is the say. Don't miss it if you can still get at least a bit of fun out of lurid fic- adventure fiction and pseudo-realistic fantasy. For this mad melodramatization... <laughs> Just read it. <laughs> ...of a desperate adventure of Bond with sinister characters in Istanbul and the Orient Express's fictional exaggeration on a grand scale in a dashing style, thoroughly illogical and improbable. But with a tongue See, I feel vividly like, wedged yeah. in the mouth. See, I feel like it's not as ridiculous as the last one. No, it's not. Yeah. I I, I really found it interesting because a lot of these reviews I was looking up still mention the self-parody thing. Really? Like, th- to me, like, this is less silly. No, yeah. And I, mean, I didn't even find the last one, like, that silly. Yeah. Like, it plays uh, it straight we have another, a lot of it. We have another Time Magazine quote as well. You okay. Re- you remember that wonderful magazine, Time? That's, <laughs> yes. Uh, that's where they listed those JFK uh, things as well, the, the movies that he liked, or the books that he liked. Right. Um, they called the film a fast, smart, shrewdly directed, and capably performed adventure. And uh, director Young is a master of the form he ridicules. And in <laughs> almost every episode, he hands the audience shocks as well as yucks, which is yucks, which is laughs. Does, um, does like, Young, like, he's, his intention is to play it straight, right? 
Um, actually, what's interesting? I mean, about obviously, the, there's I, a little I, bit of like humor into it, but he he was very big on the humor, actually. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, absolutely. But it's like, like I said, like all these reviews are pointing out, like it's like, oh, look at how subversive it's being. Yeah, yeah. It's I, like it's, I, just it's like, almost. <laughs> you know what it is though? It's funny about it, is like I almost want to kind of look at other spy films from the time now. Yeah. Because I want to see like how they treat the spy game and mm-hmm. they treat like you know the genre. Uh, because again, it's like the Bond films maybe do add a little bit more fun to it, and maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of what people people are kind of taking out of it. Um, well, I guess we kind of see a similar thing, like with you know, kind of like people having an adverse reaction to the Marvel movies of being like fun and well, not being fun, but like not being afraid to like add humor and things to it. That like we kind of automatically assume like, oh, if you're like kind of cracking jokes and you're acting a little silly, you're this is like a parody or something. I want one more one more contemporary review from the time. Yeah. Uh, from the Guardian, this is a great little quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is highly immoral in every imaginable way. <laughs> it is neither uplifting, instructive, or life enhancing. Neither Oof. is it great filmmaking, but it sure is fun. I mean, I'm not going to fight that guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it really is none of those other things. I wouldn't call it bad filmmaking. No, it's, it's really not uplifting or instructive. <laughs> um, but so for, yeah, yeah. for the legacy yeah. part of it, this is considered by many to be the best Bond movie. Um, this is considered, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, in terms of people that have worked on the franchise, yeah. uh, Sean Connery, Cubby Broccoli, Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig, Barbara Broccoli, Lois Maxwell, and Michael G. Wilson mm-hmm. all claim that this is their favorite or in their top favorite Bond films. Mm-hmm. And a quote from Michael G. Wilson, we're always trying to make another from Russia with Love. And I just want to clarify, yeah, Michael G. Wilson is the current producer on the franchise along with Barbara Broccoli, uh, Cubby's granddaughter. Um, or daughter, it might be one of those two. Uh, Michael G. Wilson says, we're always trying to make another from Russia with Love and we always end up with another Thunderball. Which says a lot, probably, about both of those movies. <laughs> uh, I mean, it does kind of feel like this. Uh, it, you know what? I'll I'll leave that to my final thoughts on the on the movie. And uh, a lot of people credit the the script that has kind of that again as intelligence of like everybody playing each other and kind of you know Bond saying like oh this could be a trap but there's a lector and then kind of still Bond kind of trying to keep ahead of everybody but but Grant kind of everybody. It's just like people like that element of it. Yeah, people like kind of. Uh, the kind of, you know, the less ridiculousism of it, the kind of more gritty fights right. and the realism of, you know, stuff like the train sequence and it stuff like that. It does remind me there is a little bit of this uh, running thing, and I've seen in a lot of Bond movies, of uh, there's a lot of, like, us knowing what's going on in Bond catching up with the audience. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why some of, like, the, the stakes don't, really play to me but anyway that that's a uh but the, but it still does have its detractors i mean yeah. there are still the people that say that the you know the pacing is a little off mm-hmm. uh that you yeah, know I kind of the story some people do feel like the story kind of gets muddled in the middle yeah um, I, I agree with that yeah so uh i would put this up personally uh very high on my list i'm a huge huge fan of this movie uh yeah i think that i thoroughly enjoy this way more uh, while I did find like some of the petering out towards the end to be a little bit weird I think I enjoyed this way more than Dr. No um, to say for to hear other people say it's like their inspiration for it kind of like reminds me it's a lot of Marvel talk going on in this episode mm-hmm. but there it kind of reminds me a lot of like the first Iron Man where it's like it, it actually does remind me a lot of the first Iron Man where it's a movie that I think a lot of people say is like oh the biggest inspiration or the best but is like probably a movie that like eh, but have you actually just sat down and watched it <laughs> recently but that being said, uh, I it was I had a blast watching it. Um, definitely liked it a lot more uh, than Doctor No. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, what else can I say? Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. 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 Um, all right. Well, I think uh, unless you have anything else, I think that's it. Um, well, we do have one more thing to tease the next episode. This mm. is the first appearance of the James Bond will return in the credits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of like, which hey, another Marvel trope. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, well, which I like. But about, and also and, the commitment to doing a franchise. Yeah, obviously. Which I also like because in this movie, it's like the end. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because a lot of the other ones are just like, oh, like James Bond will appear right. in Octopussy or whatever. Um, which is like so interesting. It's like you see like these trends like so earlier, like everybody thinks it's like new now but yeah. it isn't like you had this going on with the it'll bond be movie. interesting because the next one they say is goldfinger which is indeed the next bond film which mm-hmm. we'll talk in the next bond episode it will be interesting to see though if any of them feature a film uh that is not the next movie mm-hmm. if they kind of say oh we, we're not doing this movie next or uh kind of that sort of thing so uh, i will be interested to see kind of how that plays out but that's a very big first uh now that they've had that success they can say hey we're gonna do this movie next we're it's, gonna we're gonna adapt this book it's like the one bond movie that had a, a tease for uh the pixar film newt that never came out <laughs> That is hardcore <laughs> Pixar. Back in the day, Pixar referencing. Um, all right. I think it's time to wrap up. I think we're, we're running a little bit over, I think. But it's all you, good because we're having a good time. Yeah. So, uh, um, Nick, where can they find the show? Oh, we can find the show at a number of places. Uh, you can uh, contact us through our email account at bondazillapod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash bondzilla007 or facebook.com slash bonzilla007. Like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah, and uh, again, I really appreciate everybody. Also want to give another shout-out to our buddy Kyle, who does did another... I mean, not another. This is the same theme, but awesome <laughs> job. Shut up. He made the same theme, but yeah. just slightly alterated yeah. it. Every episode is slightly different. Uh, but, uh, you know, just want to give a shout-out to him. Thank you again for the theme. Uh, and then next time, it'll be another Godzilla podcast in which we will be talking about the second film in the Godzilla franchise, Godzilla Raids Again. What a title. All right. Well, the end. Or is it? Not quite. <laughs> we'll see you next time.